the game on the line, you can't fold and you can't bend. Y'all uh, be playing it safe and I be going for the win. Remember back when they was doubting on the kid. Uh, now they tuned in because my game too legit. Hey, 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 what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. This is a second chance podcast, marketing material for our second chance mentors program. Today is another, you know, I say this every time, awesome episode, you guys. I feel the impact from this episode could be far reaching, and that's why I'm excited to do this. Um, I'll start out by introducing my guest is a friend of mine named David Wayand. David and I met at that Trace Diaz weekend that I went. It was about two or three weekends ago. He got up to give a, a speech, a talk, a sermon. I don't know if he meant it to be a sermon, but it definitely ended up being a sermon because after he spoke, I talked to like 20 other guys in the program that were all in tears and moved by the way he was able to explain something that he's been through that was tough in a way that would further God's kingdom and also just provide value. It's a it's a hard situation. So I'm really thankful that he's here today. I'm going to have him start out with just kind of explaining who he is, just so you guys can have a basic understanding of kind of the whole situation. So David, first of all, thank you very much for being here. Can you go ahead and tell my listeners uh, who you are? Sure. So um, I'm married to uh, my wife, Julie, of 37 years, and we live over in Midlothian. Um, we have three children and two children, grandchildren, and one on the way soon. I'll be coming in the spring of next year, and uh, I just love being a father. I, that's probably one of the greatest joys, and I think the icing on the cake's been being a grandfather, but um, I've raised three kids that, I've, that I think they're pretty amazing. Um, I've been an educator, so I've, my wife and I have been able to actually be in the education field for a number of years so that we could be alongside of them many of their years growing up and um, you know being a part of their lives even though they didn't always want us there because sometimes we were their principal or teacher and that wasn't always a great thing for them but it was for us to be that that involved with them so um, yeah that's who who I am and where I live and who my family is and um that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't even know that you were administrator. I didn't know um, the backstory of what you had done for a living before everything that you do now, which is I don't even know how you fit it all in your schedule. But real quick, and before we go into what happened and the reason that we want to discuss this, um, can we take a second and can you tell us about your son, Adam? Will you take a second just so we can like kind of honor him? Will you tell us about his, you know, the type of person that he is sure. or was? So all of my kids think they're my favorite. We always tell them that separately, they're our favorite. But Adam was our, our baby and uh, full of life, very active, very animated. We nicknamed him Barney Rubble because he would pick my wife up and throw, him over, throw her over his shoulders. And one time he even cracked her rib doing that. And so he just, he, he just made people laugh. And, and it was very attracting to many people, just the, the sense of humor and joy he had. He made... Life just fun for everybody he came in contact with, and it, it was just a just a delight to know him. And so many people just have had just an impact from his his legacy of his life, and it, you know it means just means a lot to know my kids are having that influence in their society and their peers. That's really so. good. I think that always comes down to parenting. You know what I mean when you when you have a kid that's that is providing impact, and people want to be around them, and people like the person that he is. It comes down to, you know, good parenting. So that's awesome. It says a Thank lot you. about the way you raised him. 
Um, now, and to go into a little bit of the harder part, can you, uh, can you kind of tell us about what happened to Adam? Sure. So we had traveled uh, to Florida to celebrate my grandson's first birthday. My daughter and son-in-law lived in, in Destin, and we had all traveled there, everybody in the family except my son Adam. And Adam was wanting to go with us on a family vacation to Colorado in September, and he just started a new job here in Midlothian, and um, so he opted not to go. And so he was playing softball and uh, in a tournament over in Garland, Texas, and then after that he was mentoring a young man that really meant a lot to him and went to watch him play. And um, so it was very late, and they were driving home, and um, he got on to a highway. He was just um, seven minutes from home, and he... Um, all of a sudden was um, in view of, of headlights that were coming the wrong way at him. And so we got a call from the Cedar Hill Police Department to tell us that um, our son had been involved in an accident and he didn't survive. And the man that hit him also died in the accident. And um, it was just life-shattering for my family to to walk through that, to come back home and... Um, just face the the gravity of losing someone so unexpectedly and in such a horrific way because the drunk driving was a choice someone made that cost my son his life. And, um, you know, it's just been a very, very hard time in recovering in our sadness, in our loss. I mean, we, we'd still love to have him here. Even this past week, we celebrated my son Andrew's birthday, and we were looking at the family around the table, and it, it was like there's just someone missing. And uh, he would have just loved his two nephews and enjoyed their just being with them. And eventually, because he loved sports so much, he'd love to have been their coach someday for softball or baseball or whatever they chose. Um, he loves sports. He loves sports very much. He um, was involved in the softball community here in, in Mansfield at Big League Dreams. And not only did he play in sports there, but he also um, umpired for the, the, the Big League Dreams, and he also had his own team that he coached. And we, after he had passed, um, his friends just all came together around us and to support us um, because they, he had made this impact in their lives. And um, they even rallied together, Sean, to raise funds at a home run derby to help us bury him. And they raised over $14,000. Wow. That's... And there was no expense at all because they, they wanted to bless our family in that way. That also just goes to show for the type of person he was, if that many people were going to rally together around him and you guys as a family. So. Yeah. That says a lot about him. It's amazing. So that's so I also want to I don't know if you said the date. This is one of the things that I thought was so impressive about you as a person is this is only two years ago that this happened. This isn't like you're talking telling a story about ten years ago where you've able to like take in all this. This is something that is very recent. Um and when I heard about and I want you to go into this because I think this is again a part of it, when I heard when you were telling all the things that you do now 
only two years since this happened as far as spreading awareness and helping. And I don't want to go too far because I want you to share the stuff you're doing. But I think that it's just amazing because I can't imagine. I, I don't want to say most people in this situation would still be. And again, when I say feeling sorry for themselves, I do not mean that in a negative way. Like it, people have you would have all the right in the world to feel sorry for yourself. But I feel like so many people would just allow that to leave them crippled and just sitting around in a stagnant phase of feeling sorry for themselves. Can you talk about, um, especially now what you now what you do for a living, and then also um, a lot of the different organizations and different things that you've done since then to, to kind of spread awareness? Absolutely. So I have the privilege of uh, serving as a, a executive director with Marketplace Chaplains. And we go in to companies, and as an employee benefit, we actually go around and visit the employees. Um, we're there for them to support them in any way, whether that's emotional, spiritual, financial. We just walk life with them. And whether they have a faith background or not, we're just there to be um, in their life. And um, it's just a great opportunity. And as we get opportunity uh, to share uh, the element of faith of how that their situations they're dealing with is uh, impacting them, some of them realize they don't have a faith, so we're able to share share Christ with them. And it's just, just a joy to do that. And, um, so it took me, it took me a little while to heal, um, and go through my grief journey. But I believe one of the first times I spoke was almost one year exactly after his passing on August 2nd of 2020, I was asked to come to the Cowboy Church to a men's breakfast and share my story. And, one of the videos that I play with a lot of times when I speak is from Shane and Shane. It's a song called, Though You Slay Me, Yet I Will Trust You. And in the middle of the song, it's embedded a message that Dr. Piper shares that not one moment, not one millisecond of our suffering is ever wasted. And when people hear of my son being killed by a drunk driver, they're like, that's such a waste. But it's not, Sean. It's been something God's used in my heart and in my life to help other people. Um, I've been able to go to, I guess, four different um, sessions of rehab where men are struggling with drugs and alcohol and working through a program. Um, and I share a victim impact story of how what their choices of, of, of succumbing to temptation of drugs and alcohol can cost a life and, and cost a family. Um, just great pain and emotion. Um, the Lord's also given me the opportunity to speak at men's conferences at churches. One of them was called An Unexpected Journey. It's based on the uh, trilogy of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the series. Um, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, uh, it, and it truly was an unexpected phone call that started our journey. Um I've also been able to go to visit prisons where I never imagined me going, um, sitting in there and seeing all those men in, in jumpsuits and, and realizing I was inside these locked walls. But I was able to have three different sessions of, of actually church services and it saw at least 25 people make decisions for Christ. And um, it, the opportunities just keep happening Um I share my story basically wherever I go. It might be this past week, it was a repairman coming to my house from AT&T, and I gave him my track, and he said that he was five years sober. And after he heard what pain it caused my family, he said, I'll never, ever go behind the wheel of a car with alcohol. 
And um, so it's been a, a great opportunity. Um, we've done things like um, one of the things that my son did uh, before he died, he talked to his mom about um, taking uh, a business venture and starting a bakery with his mom. And um, so they had this meeting on the way to Florida to visit his grand, his, my grandson and his nephew. And in the process of it, um, they talked about their business plan, and then two months later he was gone. And so my wife put away that dream, but I, I encouraged her two months later to, we ought to do it to honor him. And so we did. We opened the bakery, and my daughter stepped up to be that business partner. And um, they've had many, many people come through the doors and read the story of Adam in the, on the lobby wall, and uh, they've shared their story. Uh, we've been able to pray and cry with people, uh, numbers of people. It's been amazing, and uh, yeah, we're really thankful. That's so cool that it's almost turned into a, a place of healing. Yes. You know, so like through his tragedy, it's become a place of healing. That's that's awesome. There's even more with that that I want to go into with you, especially there's even more that you've been doing to give back that I want to go into. But a couple of things that real quick for one. Um, I can see how a lot of people when they go through something like this can would turn to being mad at God, like being like, God, why? how could you do this to me or how could you allow this to happen? Um, and I haven't heard you, you know, go down that. I feel like you've had the outlook of no. What was it? There's no suffering that was. How did you say that? There's no suffering that's ever wasted. Yeah, ever wasted. Yeah. So it's like you can you can see the glory, God's glory, even through a situation like this, which is really unselfish of you and very hard to do. So I really have a lot of respect for that. Also, something I want to praise you for is the prison ministry. I didn't even know that about that you've been going into prisons. And uh, my life was, I was saved in prison. Um, I, I think you know that. I told you I was incarcerated. And I fully, I mean, I grew up in church, but I fully gave my life to God in prison because of men that were coming from the outside and spending time with us every day. So thank you for that. And I don't know if you really understand the impact that that has. And then one more thing that I wanted to make sure that you touched on, could you uh, tell us what you're doing for the... The officer, did he just pass? Was it yes. a week? Could you just go into that? Two weeks ago. Yes, we um, were watching the news uh, last week, and um, I was driving down, actually down the same road that day twice, and a uh, Dallas police officer was driving to work late one night, and he was struck and killed by a drunk wrong-way driver, just like my son. And it really shook me because it was a trigger of my grief. And I really had to process that. And I met even up with one of my pastors for lunch, and I came back and I said, well, you know, we've been doing this home run derby now. This is our third year. We're going to be doing it here at the Big League Dreams uh, in November, November 11th from 7 to 10. And we usually raise money now for a scholarship for my son's uh school that he attended for a sports scholarship and ac academic because he was both an, a scholar and an athlete. And then we also took some of the money to support a mission in Dominican Republic called Time Ministries, and they have a sports program there. And we send money to buy things like baseballs, bats, bat, ba bases, 
some of the basic equipment that kids here today is just so readily available. They they use cardboard uh, bases sometimes, and so we get them actual real bases, and we're actually helping them get some fields created there. But the Lord spoke to me that day when I was really, really agonizing, and even in tears, and the Lord said, you need to help this family like you've been helped. And so we're hoping to take some of the funds that we um, raise at the Home Run Derby here in November um, and bless that family to help them like the young people did for my family because it just does something to their heart. And I know a lot of people initially come around them, but we're, we'll be about a month later, and that family will, the dust will have settled, but their pain will even be heightened. And my wife and I, our dream is to hug that mom and dad. And just tell them we love them. We, we know they live all the way in El Paso. But we're praying that somehow, some way, they'll be able to come. Or his brother that's a police officer's twin brother in Dallas. And then his, his uh, girlfriend and, and their baby. So we're really hoping to touch their life. And let them know, even if we don't have a lot of things to offer, we can let them know that we understand their pain. And that we want to come alongside of them and be there for them. And... Uh, my wife and I even do this now as, as a ministry at our church called Grief Share. We meet people weekly that have had losses, and we come alongside and, and we watch videos and we talk about their grief journey, and we share our experiences. So when a lot of people look at this tragedy, we see it as opportunity to serve the Lord, and I feel like that's a new path that my life is on. And, you know, Sean, one of the things I tell people is that people are looking for answers today because it's a confusing world. And I, I love to say this fact is that the answer isn't found in a bottle. It's found in the Bible. Mm. It's his word. That's good, David. It's his word. That's so good. Um, thank you for sharing all that. I want to, a little bit here, just to kind of wrap it up, I want to kind of go into a couple things. Um for one, I just want to read these stats real quick. I want to start this off with saying I do have a DWI. Okay, I have a DWI. I've made a mistake of being pulled over after drinking uh, too much and driving. And uh, so when I go into these stats and when I go into how important this is, it's not me coming from a finger pointing and saying you should feel shame, you should feel shame. It's coming from uh, this woke me up, this listening to your experience and listening to what you've been through. Uh, woke me up to realize the seriousness of it. And I even even past my DUI, I would have probably a couple too many drinks and still drive. So um, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm making people feel bad about this, but there's 32 people a day in the United States that are killed by a drunk driver. That's And there's one person killed every 45 seconds by a drunk driver. That's about 12,000 people a year. And it's just, that it's such a preventable death. You know, that we have so many things going on in this world that we have no control over. So this is one that we do have control over. So it's something that I can pledge to you as a person right now that it's something that I will no longer do. I will no longer drink and drive like that at all. Um, and I'm yes. hoping that someone that's hearing this, you know, if, if we can keep one person right, yes, then it's making that big of a that's difference. And especially it. these kids. And it's starting to change now that I see my son growing up and I'm seeing... Um, kids in this mentorship program grow up and I don't want to see people make the same mistakes that it's making me kind of mature a little bit, you know? Yeah. So um, last thing that I want to just do is just reiterate 
what uh, David said and what they're doing. Uh, November 11th at Big League Dreams here in Mansfield, which is a really cool, I don't know, I think there's probably five to seven different um, resemblances, I don't know what the word is, of major league fields, you know, yeah. like Yankee Stadium, Boston right. Stadium. So it's a really cool thing. Um, so if you guys can make it out there November 11th uh, from 7 to 10 o'clock, even just to stop by and sh- show some port, um, we will also get you guys a link. It's not available right now, but we're going to get you a link and I'll share it on next week's or the week after that episode if you guys feel um, that you would like to donate to the family of the fallen officer um, or just any other way and sort of like that could help with this. But that's really, do you have anything else, David? I really, really appreciate you being here and sharing your story and being vulnerable and open with, like we said, if it can help somebody or change, keep one person alive, you know? Yeah. So one thing that I've, you know, your, your program's called Forgiven AF. And I've really had that challenge of when someone asked me if I'd forgiven the man that killed my son. And I've struggled with that for a few days. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, David, how can you not forgive that man when the Bible says, forgive those you've seen and be expected to be forgiven by a God I haven't seen? And I've I really declared in my heart, he is forgiven. And um, I don't have to live with that, that heaviness or that burden anymore. It's free. And, um, you know, it's just just such an honor to um, walk in this path. And I think about even, Sean, the, the, the stadium there. Um, there's a banner hanging in Ranger Field at Big Lake Dreams. And there's it's in the circle of honor. And there's people like Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan and Johnny Oates. And there's a banner hung now that says Adam Wyatt, number 23. Oh, that's just, that's freaking awesome. He's just, he's left a lasting impact for the kingdom. He's going to save lives by you sharing his story. You're keeping it going. So that's so awesome, man. Thank you again for sharing this. Like, I love you. I love you too. You're freaking awesome, man. And um, my weekend wouldn't have been the same if I didn't meet you at Trace Diaz. So I'm super thankful. I know that my life is headed in a different direction because of meeting you. And I'm excited to watch all the stuff that you do through your, you know, through your son's story. Um, so just like, man, that just, if, if he's able to forgive the person that took his son's life from him, how are we able to hold the petty grudges that we do against people? So just want you guys to think about that. Um, and remember, uh, you guys, you're loved, you're forgiven, and there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.